Podcast where we talk about any and everything, just like the days at the table, hanging with your boys, your girls, and all your homies. It's your boy Quattro. I'm back on the mic. What to do, everybody? You already know what the deal is. It's your boy Slick Robin. There's no introduction needed, so let's get to it. And y'all, we got a returning guest on the cast. She's back and uh, balder than ever. Uh-huh. Olivia, let's go, baby. It's me. It's me. It's your favorite girl, Olivia. Yeah, I guess you'd be the friend. Like, there's only been one other girl on the podcast, and you brought her with you, so I guess, yeah. Man, that's crazy. Well, next podcast is going to be about sexism in the workplace and the... <laughs> Bro, it was just like when you said, it's merch coming soon. Y'all straight lying to the people. I don't understand. <laughs> you only had one female. It was me. Yeah, it was two. My roommate. It was um, one episode. How many episodes have y'all done? Bro, we... Right. Bro, Discrimination. It's not discrimination. We come... I'm their quota. What? <laughs> I'm the quota. Nah, we gonna have oh other women on, on the cast. My mom been trying to get on. I keep telling her no, but she, <laughs> she gonna end up one of these days because she gonna force me to say I gotta move. You should do a Mother's Day podcast. She said the same thing. and uh, Great women think alike. We gonna pray on it. And you I, told her, I told her I was gonna. I listen to my mom mm-hmm. sometimes. Back to Selectively. the podcast. But back to the cast. Um, yeah, yeah, we back. <laughs> we, uh, we missed y'all. As you can hear, our boys Kevin and Shanua are not here because they flaked out on us. No, I'm just playing. They had prior engagements they had to deal with. Wait, Kevin had to go visit Tom Brady in Tampa. He in Tampa. I remember. Excuse me? I think Kevin... Kevin. So that's why he's not here to go see Tampa? Oh. I'm just saying, I don't know if he actually went to go see Tampa. He's a... I'm going to say this real clear in the mic. Hey, Kev, so when you listen to this, don't come back. You're not going to cast no more. You off. And on Tom Brady, so every time I hear Tom Brady, I got to say it. Eight and eight... (laughs) Wild card loss. Watch King. That's all I had to say. <laughs> but um, real quick, before a little bit of business, real quick before we get into it, you can follow us on Instagram at Cafeteria Talk Official, and you can follow us on Twitter at Cafeteria Talk. And if you happen to listen to us on Five Star, gosh, Lee, my bad, y'all. If you happen to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, feel free to give us five star ratings and reviews. Olivia can't give us five star ratings and reviews because she has an Android lame so um i just want you to remember when we go on this podcast and um i start coming for you that you came for me first let the record show you came for my neck first okay, okay no we've been here an hour and she's already like really like the receipt. Up. There, the there's, receipt. there's no record of that so wow all right Proceed. Cool. uh big rob slick rob i'm tripping go ahead and tell us about that put on segment well you already know every episode we do here at cafeteria talk we got a little put on segment where we just sit here and you know share with you the people what we think you should, what we heard, listened to, read, li- I said listen to twice, but anyway, that we think you, the people, should check out. So, yeah. And, and I like it. Um, You know, we go oldest to, to youngest around here, so I'm going to let you go first, Rob. Yeah, and I was going to get to that, but then you was like, you got to, but, but yeah. My put on, since this is a very, um, this is a good episode, but not a good episode in my book, Um, just because of the topics, by the way, but um. I'm going to put y'all on the 13th documentary made by Ava DuVernery back in, I would say, 2017? Uh, 2016. It's been, it's been out for a minute. 2016-2018 time range is when it came out. 13th on Netflix. It's about 
the whole thing of mass incarceration in America, development of the jail cells, and um, how it's kind of a rebirth of slavery almost in an aspect. 2016. 2016, so yeah. yeah. Very good. Um, I think it's about an hour and 50, almost two hours. Um, 140. 140. And it's very educational. It's probably one of the best educational things I've ever actually watched in my life, I'm just saying. It it's, in, uh, it's in Netflix's Black Lives Matter collection. Which, you know, I love how, you know, so many things have come about because of what happened. But that's a, that's, we'll get into that. Yeah. But, uh, I'm gonna let Liv, actually, I'm gonna let Liv go last, given, given what we know her, what her put on is. I'm gonna let her go last. But I'm gonna go ahead and go first. My put on is, I would say this movie is the most essential movie right now that needs to be watched, given everything that happened with George Floyd, Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor. I think this movie is the most important movie that everybody should watch. It's a movie that I'm going to have my kids watch. If I was a teacher, I'd have my classes watching them. If I was a parent, i have my kid. Like, everything. This movie needs to be watched. And I'm going to say it's uh, American Son on Netflix. And it gives a very real um, perspective from a black mother, a white father, uh, a police, a white police officer, a police, of a police officer of color. It gives these four... Um, outlooks on this on the situation of race and race um relations with the police and i think it's very um interesting how they brought about everybody's point of view in a way that everybody can kind of understand it and a lot of the things that were said uh applied to me as a black man i think i've heard talk about people that said a lot of things white people said in this in this show you know make a lot of sense um so i definitely think this movie is very important to watch american son on netflix starring carrie washington um it's really good it's based on a play um I think because it's on Netflix, it doesn't get as like much clout as it should. I think it's very good. Like I said, it's one of the most important movies, I think, if not the most important movie to me, that should be in everybody's uh, forefronts right now. It's also in the Black Lives Matter collection. A little mini put on there. Check out the Black Lives Matter collection on Netflix. Tons of films and um, educational stuff you can see, given the Black Lives Matter. Olivia. <laughs> wow, he talks very fast. Okay. I know. My mom says the same thing, y'all. I'm sorry. <laughs> Great women think alike. Now, um, what my put on is, is a spoken word, poem, whatever you want to call it, that I have written. And I know for me, um, when everything first happened with George Floyd, it took me aback and I had to take a break from social media and everything and really think about what it meant being a black woman and or being an African-American in this country and how the nation was going to shift. And one day I'm sitting and I'm thinking like I often do. <clears throat> and I wrote this spoken word. Now, I also have anxiety, so bear with me, people, okay? I'm going to just look this way. Yeah, you do that. You too. Thank you. He couldn't breathe with your knee on his neck. And watching the video almost made me choke. My heart beats so fast when I see a badge, uniform, or car. I'm not sure if I'm more afraid of death by police brutality or death by stroke. Derek Chauvin knelt on the neck of an innocent, unarmed black man for 8 minutes and 46 seconds. But police brutality, racism, and ignorance have all had their knees on the necks of black people since Plymouth Rock landed on us. 
I'm thinking I might be less scared if I did break the law, because proclaiming my innocence seems like a death sentence. Derek Chauvin took George Floyd's life, and America has taken the black population's innocence. I think these officers have confused death sentence with guilty verdict and life sentence. The officers who stood by and watched, those who are charged with aiding and abetting murder, are no worse than those individuals in this country who sit by, say nothing, do nothing, and allow it to continue. I charge the complacent, the ignorant, the racist, with abating, with aiding and abetting and the stripping of my innocence and the theft of my rights and the perpetuation of the injustices faced by my people. Yes, I charge you with aiding and abetting the system. I charge everyone who refuses to listen, who refuses to use their voice, who refuses to believe or accept the nightmare's truth, who refuses to be an active part of the solution. I charge you all. And right now, you are all proving yourselves guilty. Mm. Wow, that's powerful. That part where you said um, when you was charging all those people, you were like, "I charge you with aiding and abetting, stripping my innocence." I was like, "Ooh, yeah, ooh." I had to, I had to keep quiet so I didn't throw you off. I was like, "Ooh," <laughs> I was, "Ooh," I, but I'm glad. Like, I love that you wrote that because I'm, I'm loving seeing how artists are coming are coming out after this situation, mm. and their artists really taking this very. I hate to use the word militant, but like black uh empowered. point of, empowered uh mm-hmm. look in their work i mean robert's working on a video now that i'm not gonna give y'all too much information on but he's working on a video now kind of surrounding the situation um i've took taken some things this podcast is going in that di- in that direction mm-hmm. um some of my photography i've seen a lot of artists like one of my favorite white artists uh isaiah you remember him mm-hmm. we in high school with him he went to the to the protest took beautiful mm-hmm. pictures and you know i just i'm loving how, how artists are taking this because artists their job is to mimic life. Mm-hmm. And right now, life's not that hot. And people are coming out and really doing things to really, you know, shed light on, you know, what's really going on. So I really like that. I but, mean, we know okay. that... I'm oh, sorry. Turn we know that art is a very big part of the African-American community. Just looking at when we went through the struggles of the early 1900s and the Harlem Renaissance and the way mm-hmm. that black art really skyrocketed and... Um, what's the word? trailblazed yeah. this country and the way we have jazz music and, and beautiful paintings and the way black is now seen as beautiful has a lot to do with struggles that we have had as a people. And also not everybody's way of, of fighting has to be marching or has to be yes. petitioning or has to be um, donating. Although those are, you really should do those. Those mm. really help. But if, if, Speaking your voice or talking about your experiences helps somebody else understand or helps to recruit other people to our, um, what's the word, movement, Mm -hmm. then you should do whatever you can do in order to help the movement. Definitely. That's that's a great point, a great way to put it. Um, Well, you guys, you guys know what you're here for. You are back at another Cafeteria Talk official Q&A. Every month we try to do one Q&A where we kind of take some questions from you the people on a certain topic. And this particular topic is on Juneteenth and the Black Lives Matter movement. And, you know, I always love doing q and I think it's kind of like the funner episodes. You kind of can just talk about whatever. And so, you know, we got a few questions that we got for some people. We made up some questions. And uh, we're going to just get into it, man. I'm going to read the first question. And this one comes from my friend Candice. What do you do to relax in these uncertain times? We'll let Olivia, the guest, go first. 
Okay, I'll start. Um, as somebody who, as I said before, has anxiety, a lot of the things that have been going on in this country make it hard for me to like drive to work or even sleep at night sometimes. But what I do is I take a break from social media, although game information is something that I do make a point to do every day. But taking the time to be thankful for my life and to be thankful for the fact that I'm still here and I have the ability to continue to fight or continue to uh, march or whatever I can do to help the movement. But also, like I said, making sure that I keep my mental health safe by, honestly, I would say, you know, like meditating, taking time to sit quietly and reflect on your life or reflect on what's going on and watching TV, although I do find myself watching the news, but... Mm-hmm. I like ingesting the information. So. Yeah. yeah. What well, I'm next? Yeah, I'll let you go next. All right, cool. Well, me, um, I can kind of stand sort in the same boat. I do just take a time back to just, I get off of, you know, whatever. I'm on Twitter, the gram, whatever. I've been on Twitter a lot more lately than I have Instagram because Twitter has been, Twitter, honestly, I think Twitter's how I found out about George Floyd and mm-hmm. Ahmaud Arbery. But, um, I got I get off of social media a lot and I just come to myself. I first thing well not the first thing I always do, but I always get around to pray. This is one of the first things I usually do. I get around there to just pray and just first thing I'd be like, God, why? And then I just be like, it is what it is. I'm not gonna say anything. You know. Mm. I pray a little bit just to hear just see hear from God, you know. Usually you don't and that's one thing when it comes to prayer, you know, I think what a lot of people should realize is when you pray you never can get your answers right then and there. That's just like a que- That's just like the first step to gaining your knowledge. It's mm-hmm. like when you're going to learn something in the classroom. While it's like when you're walking in the classroom, that's what prayer is. And then when you sit down, it's like when you're done and you gotta go around and do all this and that. That's how you get your answers. You get your various answers through other people, and all this and that. So I pray. And then you know I go. I sit back and I write stuff. You know I usually um I try with any other thing that I learn about something. I try to write about it makes sense out of it um and then of course i watch tv you know after all this stuff started happening all this black lives matter thing i started going back and i did i did a lot more i started doing a lot more i went back and did more research about stuff that i learned mm-hmm. a while ago so i'm just like you know that's what that's what that's what i've been doing in these uncomfortable times just regaining my knowledge on why history is repeating itself and why stuff like this shouldn't be not saying too surprising but why it's still happening definitely that, that's the number one thing I want to get out of this is not to be get so angry, mm-hmm. but to and Jesus, what is it called? Educate myself on the yeah. matter mm-hmm. instead of getting which I think a lot of black people should do. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um I would say um a lot of praying and more so um I'm very distracted. Uh like I know what's going on and I understand what's going on. I'm upset about what happened, but like my schedule has got me doing so many different things where I'm kinda able to kinda distract myself from it all. Like I have two jobs, I got school that I need to be doing, so pray for me on that. It's a it's a it's a beast. And um yeah, so like I'm distra- I've got so many things pulling pulling like pulling out my threads that like I'm able to kind of distract myself from it. And so that's kind of how I relax in a sense. Just kind of being able to, like you said, not get too angry about it. I throw myself into my work or my art or whatever I'm doing at the time. And so that's kind of how I uh you know relax. But our next question, um, this is kind of one I was thinking of at work one day. And I was listening to I was listening to the New Day podcast, I believe, and they were talking about, you know, their first they were talking about their kids being introduced to uh, racism in like different ways. And it made me think about the first time I was introduced to racism. So I wanted to ask y'all, what was your first introduction to racism? 
or when did or or kind of like what what situation or what what what, what happened in re, when you realized that there was a difference between you and your white classmate or your white counterpart. So you want me to go first or Rob? You, you it, go? I can go first. All right, I'll let Rob. It's go still first. usually oldest to youngest, but the first one I can actually vividly really remember. It's kind of crazy. Well, this is not my technical. My first one actually encountered my first mm-hmm. introduction really to racism. If I'm being real technical with it, seeing Martin re- watching one of Martin Luther King's speeches on Martin mm-hmm. Luther King Day, I was about probably four or five years old at Potter's house, and they played something mm-hmm. for us. And I'm like, shout out Potter's house. I was like, yeah, I used to go to that school when I was little. That's that you know that's a real big part of me and DJ Newell's um friendship. But I was like, uh, I'm confused. Like, okay, who's this black man that's just in here, you know, talking, talking, talking? This is when he was at the about the White House or something? Or, uh, yeah, the I Have a Dream speech. I Have a Dream speech, you know? Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I didn't really understand that. And then after the video, there was clips of, you know, black people getting, not teary eyes, getting like fire hose and everything, mm-hmm. dogs biting them. I'm just like, what colors only, white only? I'm right. like, hmm. First thing I'm thinking, you know, it's kind of funny. I walked out, I walked out to the bathroom. I looked, I was like, let me just make sure this thing like this. I just want to. Ah, that's crazy. But you know, they were predominantly black school. But I'm looking yeah. like, let me just make sure. Make that, sure, yeah. Let me just make sure. That, and my teacher's like, no, 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 it's okay. I'm like, all right, bet we good, we Gucci. But my first actual introduction to racism for myself was that I can vivid, I can really remember was I was living in Virginia. I was about eight or nine years old, and I had a left next door neighbor named Jack. Mm. Jack was a white boy, white ginger mm. kid. We was real cool. We hung out all the time. Yeah. He really, really made me a Star Wars fan too. It was crazy. Yeah. Um. So he had, he used to always have family and company come over right. all the time. So it was this one time, it was this one little kid I was about maybe four years old who was playing with him. And I'd never been in Jack's house. Right. We, we, we never went in each other's house, but we was always just playing outside. We played outside. You know how black folks do? We don't go to people's houses now. You know, it, like we literally, because we stay in a little small apartment um, yeah. complex, military house. So, you know, our houses were connected. So basically, it was always early morning, late night. Yeah. Go inside. Parents call us in. That's what we do. Yep. But it was this one time, little kid came over. His family came over. So, you know, we were playing outside with the little kid, having fun. I think we were playing football or something. And, you know, the mom called Jack in about, like, to, like, to go do something. The little kid had to go do something, too. And I'm mm-hmm. like, okay. So I usually just sat on the porch and wait, because Jack usually had to go inside and go do something. And he'd come right back out in about five minutes. Right. So I'm sitting there just chilling. And I'm realizing time going by. I'm like... I have my little watch. I'm like, dog, it's been 25 minutes. Yeah. And I remember it's been 25 minutes. I'm like, right. So, um, little kid, um, the little, the little, I don't even know the kid's name. The little kid walked outside and he just was staring at me. I'm like, hey, what's up? Like, what's good? You know? And then he just started shaking his head. I'm like, oh, mm. what the hell? I'm like, whoa, okay. Jack walks outside. And so I'm like, everything okay? Like, he's like, yeah, let's go play. And then the kid, the kid didn't want to play no more. I'm like, what's wrong? Mm. And then he was like, and he just kept saying, I'm sorry. I'm like, whoa, you good? Like, what did I do? Because, like, we were playing football, but it was two-hand touch. So, like, none right. of us were, like, pushing each other down. Yeah. I'm like, did I accidentally, like, knock you down or something? I don't remember. He's like, no, 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 no. I'm sorry. I'm like, you're sorry. I'm like, what did I do to you? Right. And I was so confused on what was going on. And then they had to get called back inside. Uh-huh. The whole time I'm sitting there like, but what the hell is going on? And, um, you know... It was this awkward moment. I was just like, bro, let me just walk inside the door because it was a screen door and I could just yeah. easily walk in. But I was just like, nah, let me not walk in. Yeah. You know, I've never walked in their house, but the, his parents know me. They used to always see us watch us play outside. Yeah. They walk back outside. The kid's like, um, 
He was like, no, when I said, I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm sorry you're, like, he said, I'm just like, I'm sorry you're brown. I'm like, wait, what is that? I'm like, wait, what? He's like, I'm sorry you're Whoa. brown. Jack's like, what do you mean? He's not brown, he's black. Like, what? He's black. The kid's like, no, he's brown. Like, no, you see his skin. His skin is not black, it's brown. I'm like, wow. Yeah. So I'm like, what's the issue there? Turns out, and it's great, I get a little kid props. Because <laughs> he wasn't being racist, it was his parents. Um, Oh, for sure. So, you know, he was like, he was like, but when I walked in, we asked it, we asked what we had to do. We knew it was gonna take time, and we see you can come in. And the parents were like, no, have them wait outside. Have them wait outside and just wait for y'all. I'm like, I'm like, well, I'm like, I've never been inside the house. He's like, he's like, yeah, but my parents don't know you, but this isn't their house. Mm. And the little this little kid was woke, that's all I'm gonna yeah. say. Little kid was woke. He was like, but they don't, it's like they don't know you, but they don't even want you to come inside. It's not even stranger danger, cause I'm wow. like, and I'm and Jack's like, well, oh, shit, Jack's. Jack's teed off. He's like, this is ridiculous. He was like, let him go inside. I'm like, I'm like, you know what? No, no, no. I think I'm going to clock out early today, folk. And I'm going to just go home. <laughs> and I'm going to get this right. And that's how it is. If that's how it is, then okay. Right. Yeah. The little kid wasn't even, he like, he kept, I realized he kept saying I'm sorry because he was, he was trying not to sound disrespectful or anything. Right. right. Wow. And I give him his props because he, he didn't like it. He did not like it. The fact I couldn't go inside the house. Right. right. I mean, I could have went inside the house, but I would have probably got instantly kicked out. He yeah. didn't want to see that. Because he was trying to bring me in, but there was his parents who didn't even own the house didn't want me to go in. Right. right. That was just crazy. And the first time I went inside the house, I asked him about that. They was like, no, nah, we was upstairs the whole time. They was like, that was his parents that wanted them to do something. We was up- we didn't know that was happening. I'm like, okay. Wow. But it was like, they was like, anytime you want to come in, come in. Right. Right. See, it's not like Jack is people, good people. I, I respect Jack and Jack people. Jack, if you're listening, love you, Jack. But uh, my, my situation is kind of similar. So it was K4. And we, I used to go to Trinity. And so we had, went on this zoo trip. And the zoo trip was like the big, it was the biggest trip of the year. You know, it's the zoo, a bunch of little kids, the best thing in the world. So we all go to the zoo. And so um, we everybody gets in their little groups. And like, I was cool. I had all my little friends in my group. My dad came to the trip. It was, it was about to be lit. So we're at the zoo. We're, we're chilling. And so one of my uh, best friends at the time, uh, her name was Morgan, a little white girl. And don't say nothing. It's uh, <laughs> I, knew, I knew she was thinking something stupid. I wasn't. But nah, so we're at the zoo, we're chilling, having a great time. And so at the end of the trip, um, you know, we, we just had a great time. Everybody got their face painted, you know, saw animals. Everybody's cool. Did and they so, paint you as a monkey? No, they did not paint me as a monkey. I was a tiger. Thank you. <laughs> but I don't think my dad was going to have that. But um, I'm glad. That's a good point. I wonder how many monkeys was running around then, though. Like, right. you, you don't know. Um, but... Um, <laughs> but so, um, I'm talking to Morgan and about 15 minutes after that, like everybody was kind of in this like big, like area waiting for buses and everybody rides or whatever. And so I'm, I'm waiting there about 15 minutes after me and Morgan, I just got done playing a little playground. Morgan comes up, she's crying. And I'm like, yo, you good? Like, what's wrong? Like, I'm a little kid. So I'm, I'm like, God, what's wrong? Like, you okay? She's like, I can't be your friend anymore. And I'm like, yo, what? Why? My parents said I can't hang out with black people. I'm like, Ooh. and like at the at the time, I'm like, I'm thinking I did something wrong because right. like I of course know I'm black, but right. like it didn't click with me like that's an issue. Right. Because I just saw Morgan as that's my homie, that's my own girl. Right. Yeah. And so like I just remember sitting in the back of my dad's Grand Prix, bawling my eyes out. I mean, I'm crying, crying. And so like we had this picture. It was me, Morgan. I remember the other the other guy's name. We, we used to hang out. We another white dude. And I had cut the picture, cut her picture out, and it was, like, scratching it out. Like, I was hot. 
And, like, it was crazy. Like, that was kind of, like, my first, like... So, my skin is, like, right. an issue at this point. And I don't, I don't remember if we ever talked after that again. Like, I don't... I, obviously, none of her parents wouldn't allow it like that. But, nah, yeah, that was, like, kind of my first real, like... Oh, wait. My skin's different from the person next to me. Right. Okay, cool. And then, like, kind of what you said, uh, definitely, like, around second grade, we had watched this movie called um, My Friend Martin... And then kind of was like these kids going back in time uh, by going through Martin Luther King's house, which is a museum now in Atlanta. Yeah. And uh, we had watched that movie. And I always forget the scene at the end where Martin like goes back to his time and it's right before he gets shot. And it's like as the door closes, you hear the gunshot. And it's like then they show montages of like everything that happened after he got shot. And I was like, I'll never forget that. It's like ingrained in my mind. Yeah. It's like it's vivid as it's right in front of me. So. That was my first experience. Liv? For me, I don't think my experiences with racism were blatant. I had mm. a lot of microaggressions towards me mm. growing up. But my first realization that my skin was different from the person next to me was when I was younger, my dad made my brother and I watch Eyes on the Prize videos, which is like a documentary that was done about the civil rights movement. Mm. And... Every Sunday, we would sit down and eat Sunday breakfast and watch it in, in the office because it's the only TV that had a VCR at the time. Uh. And I was maybe like six or seven, and that was my first introduction to what my people have gone through, and that's probably a big reason why I'm such a radical now. Mm. Um, but I think I was going to say something else. I always forget what I'm saying. Throw something in while I'm thinking. All right. Um... That <laughs> kind of threw me off. When you said when you said radical, I, I immediately thought about uh, what was her first name? Her last name's Davis. Angela Davis. Angela Davis. Oh, Angela yeah. Davis. The Afro and the oh, red, yes. the red, uh, the red turtleneck. Sorry, she wanted. She wanted the best spokes. Oh my goodness, Spoke man! One of the greatest that. orators of all time. Oh Lord, man, you didn't forgot. I really it. forgot. forgot, it. Oh, forgot. Well, I was gonna talk about my microaggressions growing up and everything. I really, I remember. Y'all just next question. Ne- next I'll question. Come back to it. It. Next movie we'll on the last question. Be like, oh, this is what I was trying to say. I'm be like, mm-hmm. we've been off that for 50 really minutes. Uh, third question. Um, so given the situation with George Floyd and Ahmaud Arbery, Breonna Taylor, and just the climate right now of, um, of Black relations in America, uh, has it made conversations difficult? Which I mean, duh. But, like, yes, they have made conversations pretty difficult. Um, well, you know what? I wouldn't even say difficult. I just made made them more necessary. Mm. And it's more so, like, these conversations definitely weren't happening as frequent as they were because we see what how much is, like, how much things have fallen off and have happened because of what happened to George Floyd. I mean, we it's, it's sent ripples through everything. I mean, NASCAR. NASCAR probably... I mean, I'm sorry if I'm being prejudiced. The whitest sport on TV <laughs> has has banned the Confederate flag at all its tracks. Like, mm-hmm. NASCAR, what? That's insane. But, um, so, like, these ripples, it made, it's making these conversations more prevalent. And my mom made a good point that uh, my mom and our pastor, uh, Bishop Juan McLaughlin, he said, he preached a message called Thank God for Coronavirus. And he basically talked about all the things that, you know, kind of the good things that have coming out come out of this virus. And she was like, my mom was like, the world has had to stop. Right. Like, there's no, there's no sports on. There's no, uh, there's no events. There's no, no Olympics. You got to focus only on what's on the, um, what's going on in the world. And right now, George Floyd is the biggest thing that's happening right now. Everybody's like, looks, looked at what's happening and is like, okay, this needs to change. 
And also, given what happened to George Floyd and how it happened and how it was portrayed, it it's there's no side, other side of the coin on this one. It They murdered that man. So now you can see that there's an issue, a blatant issue, and it needs to be addressed. And it's making those conversations not difficult, but very necessary. I'd like to piggyback on the ending of, of your statement there where you talked about how it, it is imperative for us to focus on what's going on now because we don't have distractions. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about how during the civil rights movement, that was media was one thing that a lot of the activists during that time used to their advantage. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that a lot of Caucasian people, comma, a lot of Caucasian people in the North did not know what was going on to African-Americans in the South. Yes. And so they used media, they used... Um, national media in order to to show not just tell but to show to prove the things that have been happening and i i I piggyback on that to say that this is not the these last few years since trayvon martin have not all of a sudden been when black people have been Mm -hmm. harassed by the police it has been happening we have been saying that it's been happening but now that that people are paying attention to it is when we have change which is a good reason why you should protest okay keep going Definitely. I'll come we'll, back we'll, to we'll get to the protest. <laughs> but, uh, Rob, you go ahead. Right. Well, on conversations, me personally, with, with my white counterparts, I'm going to just say that point, Blake Pierre, mm-hmm. Um, conversations with them, honestly, no, it hasn't been difficult because mm-hmm. they've kind of they've kind of ignited them, which is not mm-hmm. even in a bad way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really shows this idea that Black Lives Matter when... When I'm when I'm at work, just ringing you out, being being a normal custom, being being not a normal customer, but a normal um, employee, yeah, mm-hmm. doing my thing, and you just want to sit back and just have a conversation with me, yeah, about what's going on, Definitely. just because you see I'm a black brother, and you just you want to hear, you want to feel what I'm going through, right. and I like it when you when you're trying to ignite it and you're just trying to hear my side and how I feel about everything. Exactly, I respect that, and then my white friends, they're like. Listen, I can't stand. And then you know, it's it's kind of funny because you know they're making they they you know they making jokes about how these white people that don't even think this is serious. They like mm-hmm. how dumb can you be? It's kind of funny. Yeah. It's kind of it's kind of funny when they're do, doing a whole one eighty, and they're yeah. just like the world is that dumb. Like you know, it's kind of crazy. I have a friend named John at work who he was so my conversation with him, I can't even get into that. It was very funny, but yeah. I want to uh, piggyback off something you said. The um the deal where um it ignited these white people. At first, when I saw the the, the white outcry on my social mm-hmm. media, at first I was like, man, I don't want to hear this, it's man. Y'all y'all, it's for cloud. Mm-hmm. Facts. Like, you you just not want to hop on a team because like you ain't got another trend to hop on. Right. But then I kind of had to re- rethink my thinking because I was like, you know, well actually because me and Ty had an argu- had an argument a couple weeks before George Floyd happened, and we were talking about uh, DC Marvel, you know, as as we do often. And I told him that, uh, in a sense, I didn't say this exactly, but in a sense, MCU fans aren't real Marvel fans. And he was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, just because you hopped on at the MCU doesn't mean you're a real Marvel fan. And I wasn't trying to hear it. Then George Floyd happens, and I see this white outcry, and I'm like, okay, well, I shouldn't, you know, count out anybody that's just now posting about George Floyd just just to be clout chasers. Right. You know, this may be the thing, given how it happened and how it was presented, this may be the thing that helps white people stick. Right. You know, just how, like, you mentioned Civil War, civil Rights Movement, the um, the dogs and the hoses in Montgomery was one of the biggest catalysts for white support during the Civil Rights Movement. When, mm-hmm. when they saw that atrocity, how they were using hoses and dogs on these people, mm-hmm. they were like, oh, wait a minute, there's an issue down in the South. And so when white people saw what happened to George Floyd, they're like, wait a minute, 
So this is what's been going down for real? Oh, we need to do something. So I don't want to discourage white people by saying, oh, you're just in it for clout. Like, you know, if they want to post, let them post because this may be the thing that sticks for them. And we're never going to finish this because I'm going to piggyback off of what he just said Mm. about how whether it's clout or not. Well, two things. One, I think that as a non-black individual, you should definitely educate yourself because although you may be trying to help, some of the things that you are doing might harm the cause. Like, for one example, blackface, like trying to paint your face brown or black in order to symbolize your unity with us is doing a lot more harm. Mm-mm. Just educate yourself <laughs> on the the things that have happened in the past before you move forward. But I would also talk about the fact that whether as as a black person, if you feel like a white person's voice is not needed right now or, or is not valid right now, you are completely wrong because everybody's voice counts. And for every white person, whether they are posting for clout or whether they are posting because they really mean it, it's still going to help the cause at the end of the day. And I was going to say um, about what Cyrus said about about how the white outcry kind of shocked him. Like I've gone to a couple protests and seeing the most passionate people at those protests are Caucasian people. And I think for them, it might be a real shock to see that their own people could be treating somebody else differently. Like the people who they grew up around or their culture, their identity to be so cruel to another group of people when they don't believe that way. I think that's why they feel so passionate about it. Mm, That's a good point. You know, one thing I do want to point out, um, this is kind of ties into the question, kind of does it. My friend Jason said this whole situation. Um, I love Jason. He's my dog. He's an Italian boy. He's Italian. Mm-hmm. You know how them Italians be, man. You already know what the deal is. But yeah, yeah. see, Jason, yeah. <laughs> Jason's one of the very, like, he's a very political person. He, he loves politics. Mm-hmm. He says this situation, I, there was, there's points that I agreed and then I didn't agree with him on a lot of things about, because he's been, Saying he posts every day about what's been going on. Mm-hmm. He said that this situation's kind of brought us to talk a lot more about dealing with politics, which is true. But then again, the the way I see it, at first, see, yeah, we could talk about politics, but look, politics has got to be the have, have to be the latter half, basically the end. That could be the next talk after all this, because the biggest issue here, because he said the biggest issue is not even race in America. No, it is. It is point blank period. Yes, even though it was. Even though it is basically the cake of America is the building of politics and the democracy, but the, the the icing all over it is damn racism because right. they 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 couldn't agree on are we gonna be gonna do slavery we gonna do slavery what because yep. slavery was basically if y'all a lot of y'all don't know the slavery is basically it was a system it was it was economics things black right. they even though it's so fuck messed up <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they black people were property and it was money yeah. right. I like to say this: Black people was the first credit cards ever invented. I'm just saying. Oh, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. But no, like this is true. This has brought up a lot more talks about politics. Really dealing with our president because he is just so we don't know what what he's even on. But no, race is the biggest issue. But we can deal with politics after. But this has brought up a lot of politics. I'm gonna piggyback off of what you. God, man, you can use them now, but pay on it late. God. <laughs> I'm going to piggyback off of what he just said. That's the name of the podcast. That's the name of the podcast now. Oh, everything. Everything. I was going to piggyback off of what he said. This conversation is not about politics. Yeah. And I came here to say that, and I'm glad you reminded me, but that's not what I was going to say earlier, which I still can't remember. No, I still can't remember. But anyways, this is not about politics. This is about human rights 
This is about right and wrong. This is about justice and injustice. So do not claim or try to justify your racism or your ignorance or your bigotry based on your political standing. Come on. Because there are people who look like you, who, who vote like you, who understand that this is an issue and who are standing with African Americans regardless of the color of their skin or regardless of their political views because they know the difference between right and wrong. Definitely. And uh, last thing before we move on to the next question, uh, I've been talking to a lot of my white friends and I want to shout out you know, some of those people, Mike McCorys, Trace, um, Daniel, you know, it's it's one thing to, to you know, talk to people, but when you're actually willing to listen and learn, mm -hmm. Trace will, like, you know, Trace will tell you, like, I believe he's not probably one of the smartest friends that I know. And he knows this. He don't think I'm that smart. So it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, me and Trace had a really good dialogue about, it was like maybe the day after it happened. And we were just talking about, you know, how, how he felt, how I felt about it. And I think we both came away kind of thinking differently. And, um... Just that willingness to learn and understand. Definitely. And, you know, like you said, educating yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, you really won't know until you talk to somebody about the experience. I mean, God works in a very mysterious way. The week George Floyd happened, I happened to be at training at my other job at Planet Fitness. So I was, I was not my job. I'm the only African-American at my job, and I'm also the only African-American at my job. And so <laughs> when it happened, and they're very, they're, they're, they're not, I wouldn't say they're political. They're great people, you know, because I play this out loud at, at work, so I got to make sure I'm clear. They're great people, love them to death. You know, they're very, you know, they, they support who they support, and I don't judge them for it. And, you know, God let me not be there that week and hearing all the conversations and all the opinions until a week later when I had all the information I needed and I was ready to come in and, and hit the door hey, so let's talk about the situation. I'm like, right. let's get into it. And I was able to have dialogue. And one of my coworkers, she didn't understand when people would say they fear, black people fear their lives with the police. They right. fear for their lives whenever they see police. And I was kind of able to illuminate some things for her. Like, no, it's not necessarily a, oh my God, like you're going to kill me as soon as you see me. It's more of like, exactly that but a little less what you're thinking. Any wrong move. Yeah, any yeah. wrong move. That's the deal. It's not just like, you can you just you can't be scared just because you're wrong. You can be scared if you're the one in the right. right. That, that's what I kind of had to get her to understand. So I'm definitely thankful for the white people that are out there that are willing to listen and learn. And I've seen some that have kind of just started talking. I've seen fake ones for sure that mm -hmm. I know were fake. Mm -hmm. yeah. Like you in the group chat going ham, but you on Instagram talking about Black Lives Matter. Right. Wait a minute. Let, let me bring that back. Right. But I'm not, not going to out them, though. But fourth question. Um, this one is another one from, I think, Don Jay. She said... How can I? No, this was my sister actually. How can I ally? How can I be an ally to Black people in Black Lives Matter? Well, I think the easiest thing you could do is we've been saying this since the since the episode started. Just educate yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. You have to educate because like this is what everyone in America needs to do. We really need to educate ourselves on America, the history of America, which is really stimulated and rooted in slavery and racism. And we can go. We can use a lot of other which, words. Which real quick before you move on. The history of America is not in your textbook at your local high school. Just right. letting you know. Just right. like, yeah. In case you thought that was your history. We can we, we can really just educate ourselves. Go and it's so easy. You can literally, like I said, shout out to 13th again by Ava Devonery. She's that's why she's my favorite filmmaker right now, because she's literally the colorness is everywhere. But yes. anyway, <laughs> just literally go on YouTube looking up history of slavery, history of America, real America, just America's not the greatest country in the world. I hate when people say that. As a black man, I hate hearing that. Right. We got liberty. Look, point blank period, we got liberties, but we don't got freedom. Right. Period. Woo! 
that, but anyway. Oh, what the that's gyms? the second one. <laughs> that's just that's just all it is. If you really want to be supportive of Black Lives Matter, you can easily support just um educate yourself. It's not even about just donating because a lot of us we don't got money. Right. Just educate yourself. That's the educate yourself on slavery. I'm gonna I'm gonna piggyback off of what he just said. Not only educate yourself to be an ally, but as African Americans, educate yourself as well. Ask yourself questions, facilitate questions from other people, and sharing your own personal stories goes a long way because it's one thing hearing about watching a movie about it or, or reading it in the news, but when you go to somebody who's close to you and they see, oh my gosh, this is happening right next to me, this is my neighbor, or this is my coworker, or this is my mm. friend, it'll hit home differently for them as well. It won't be so far away like, oh, that can never happen here. But to be an ally, definitely educate yourself. Um, there are petitions to sign, you can donate, you can even, don't, don't feel complacent, like just because you retweet something, you can go to sleep at night and like it cures your white guilt not to be offensive but sharing information learning things yourselves and even as a caucasian person having that conversation at your dinner table with your family or or with your coworkers or with your friend group if you feel like something is wrong you need to voice your opinion as well because no change happens without action right um basically everything y'all said definitely educate yourself um, open your pockets, uh, open your pocketbooks. Um, definitely, um, you said it. What? I just missed it. The, I don't remember what you said. Everything I said was golden. Yeah, every, basically everything y'all said. Like, there's, there's really nothing I can add that really will, you know, be any different. So. And don't be afraid to ask questions. If you don't understand, I'm talking to, definitely. to um, non African Americans, do not be afraid to ask questions. Bef Just remember what I was gonna say. Before you hold on to it. Go ahead. Before you ask the question, really think about how it's coming across in your delivery. And for African Americans, I know for us, it's a lot of times it's like it's not our job to educate them. It's not our job to tell them what it is. But at the end of the day, their white parents, their white friends, their white family, their white neighborhood isn't gonna tell them what it's like to right. be black. So to a certain extent, it is on us. Even if we're not directly telling them, it's on us to share our stories and to put our information out there so that they can digest it. But if a white person or if any person who is not African-American has a question, do not uh, make them feel some type of way about asking if they legitimately want to know. Definitely. So I remember the two things I was going to say. First thing is, you know, um, I posted this on my Instagram also, but um, one of the things that I noticed, everybody kept yelling out, y'all need to listen to black people, talk to your black friends. And everybody was like, and even one of my friends asked me, was like, yo, everybody keeps saying to listen, but to what? Every, I got so many voices and outlets coming, like, what do I listen to? Mm -hmm. And we want people to understand our experiences. And I'm not, I didn't see a lot of people talking about what their experience was. So that's mm -hmm. why I opted on my Instagram and detailed my experience, what I felt whenever I saw a police officer, the type of things I thought when I saw George Floyd. Mm -hmm. And, you know, hopefully somebody read it and really, you know, got something out of it. Because it's, it's one thing to see it, like you said, um, it's one thing to see it, but, you know, your neighbor, your your coworker, the person that shined your shoes, the person that, you know, fixed your pipes. Your boyfriend. In some cases, your boyfriend. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's going through exactly what I go through when I see a cop when I'm driving on, on, on 95. Right. So, it, you know, it's all about what feels real to them and trying to understand. And it's more about empathy than it is sympathy. Right. So... 
Come on, someone. That's 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 a bitch. That's just more about empathy. It wasn't as good as the ones he's been talking. Right, but I'll let it. Yeah, all right, all right. But it's because okay. it's because I try to hype it out. He didn't hype yeah. up his. It's all me. Yeah. Okay. But last thing we can move on. That's actually why the video that he mentioned that I'm working on is called mm-hmm. Being Black in America. It's essentially. It's a little little part thing, but it's gonna be a whole bunch of black people. They're gonna be sitting here talking to a dude who's basically making a, it's gonna be like a podcast. They're gonna be talking about their experience about being black and how they feel about everything that's been going on. That's the video I'm working on. Yeah. Definitely. Can't wait for that. Um so my sister also she wanted to talk about some examples of strong white allyship. You skipped one. I did? Where oh, do people- where do people want to be, where do people who want to be allies get started? Quattro can't read, y'all. Y'all know this. He can't speak either. Now, I'll go ahead and take y'all this one. Y'all know that, one. too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like we said, educate yourself. Education is definitely the first step. But if you want to follow p- pages like Change.org, there are Black Lives Matter pages. There's all types of things, research you can do. But the first step is figure out what you can do to help. What can you bring to the table? Whether it's you are somebody who is passionate and wants to go to marches or wants to organize marches, or if you're somebody who has a clothing line and you want to make Black Lives Matter shirts or Say Their Name shirts Mm. or something that helps in the movement, or if you are an artist and you want to take pictures of the movement or paint the movement or write about the movement, sing about the movement, dance about the movement, however you express Mm. yourself, just figure out what your asset is what your alleyway is that you can travel down in order to help progress this movement and if you're rich girl you know what i'm saying go ahead donate you know what i'm saying <laughs> so you're rich girl go, ahead, just go open that pocketbook for right me. crack it up for you. <laughs> so since everything has happened have you seen any like strong examples of white allyship oh you're talking to me um personally i would say the strongest examples of white allyship that I've seen so far have been, I have some Caucasian friends who obviously have black friends because me, but um, are dating African-American people and are not afraid to talk about how it, it impacts them and their life to see how dangerous it is for us to walk this, this mm-hmm. um, earth every day throughout this nation. Yeah, so I'm going to piggyback, not piggyback off what you said, but definitely something that I'm going to do real quick. I'm going to call an audible. My boy Will is in here. He's been kind of listening to us talk about all these things. He's got some examples of white allyship that he wants to talk about. I'm going to let him go. Shout out. What's your name? It's your boy Will. What's up? Prodigy. What's up? Um, white allyship, you know, uh, growing up in a uh, mostly almost private for private schools half my life. You could definitely tell once you go into a private school how quickly white people cling to us Africans, you know, because it's, like, different. And they're like, whoa, you're not supposed to be here. But then at the same time, they want to see how you act, what you listen to, what do you wear outside of school. So they try to pick up on our culture, which is pretty interesting and um i want to go back to the protest the peaceful protest walk we went on on tuesday last tuesday right later for next walk yes mm-hmm. last tuesday where a majority i saw a majority of white people there supporting us telling how they feel uh writing signs mm-hmm. um this one lady that spoke into the group we had she was saying that she was a duval teacher Mm. um 
that she's tired of seeing uh, a little African kid struggle mm-hmm. and not being taught properly in school. Um, and that she's fighting for a change. And I just see all this diversity and support. And Definitely. when I look to my left, I see um, two white people sitting there shaking their heads, um, saying yes. And then on the other side, I look, and I'm looking past Robert as I'm doing this, and I see not one, but two people wearing Colin, Cap and Colin uh, mm. shirts. Colin Kaepernick, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then behind, there's a dude quoting Malcolm X as well. Wow. I was white. So there's a lot of... Um, they out there, man. You gotta mm-hmm. gotta yeah. sift through the bad ones, but they're, they out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we got a lot of support coming from them, and I appreciate it. Like, don't stop what you're doing. Yeah. I'm um, glad you mentioned the teachers, too. Shout out to our white teachers, right. man. Right. You know, Most like, definitely. That, Mama Help, if you're Mama listening, help, I man. still love you. Man, Will, man, you already know yeah. Jimmy Neutron himself, <laughs> you know? That, that he He's still teaching the uh, black history class, right? I, I wouldn't know. He was when I was there, yeah. Okay, cool, cool, cool. But um, I do want to piggyback off of what you just said. Um... My friend Monica, shout out Momo. Monica, and I what went up? To, we went to a protest and we saw a a white guy on crutches with his foot wrapped up, almost turning blue. Mm. And we walked like the whole block. It had to be maybe a mile, maybe a mile and a half. And I went up to him and Monica and I were like, thank you for being out here. You know, yeah. like, obviously that's something that you should do because you understand right and wrong. But the fact that you are going the extra mile, like dude's foot was almost blue he's like in crutches like mm. he walked the entire way with us it's like I 90 degrees saying, outside i remember being on crutches but like going 10 right. feet in crutches is a right is a and so like we thanked him we asked him if he wanted water and everything and he was like he was fine but i just made it a point to let him know that he wasn't going unnoticed now that's not for every person to feel like they need the spotlight or they need to be thanked because yeah. that's something that you should be doing but i just wanted to highlight the fact that if he's out here fighting for my life, it, it has nothing to do with him because he's white, he's in pain, he has crutches, his foot's turning blue, and he's still mm. out here marching. That should make you wonder to yourself why you're not out there doing nothing. Mm. Can I say, though, to the to that point of why you're not out there? So, personally, I, Quattro, has not been on been out to any of the protests. Ooh. Mainly, you know, one of the main reasons being, that, like, while they're happening, I'm at work. So, mm. it's 8 to 5, Monday through Friday, so it's kind of hard. And Saturdays, that's, that's my Sabbath. I sleep on Saturdays. Because I have a lot of jobs. But one of the things Still at first, no money. it's... Yeah, all right. Uh, <laughs> uh, don't, let, don't let this dirty shirt fool you. But um, no, one, one of the things that kind of drove me to not go to the protests, um, right after the first riot happened in Minneapolis, uh, our president, let me say that again, mm-hmm. our president, which we shouldn't, our. Even, be, we shouldn't even be be surprised, uh, I like that one. Our <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the, the president, uh, Donald J. Trump, got on his got his Twitter fingers and was like, and it was a litany of things he said, but the last line, one of the last lines of what he said was, you start looting, we start shooting. And I don't know why that shook me to the core so bad. I was, was like, one, it was just like, it's the president. Like, the president is like, that's who we look to. When 9-11 happened, we look to the president for his words. When Vietnam happened, we look to the president to see what he was going to say about it. How are we going to get the country to rally and, you know, make a change? Mm-hmm. And our president was like, you start looting, we start shooting. Which, of course, I know it's Donald Trump. I know he's going to say some dumb stuff. But that was just like, yo, what? 
I mean, but and the shooting is what got us to this point. I mean, not in exactly. George Floyd's case, but in, in the cases before, it's it's deadly force used by police officers exponentially right. against African Americans. Right, and it, I, it's just that that kind of scared me straight of like not going to the protest, and which I've gotten better because me seeing how they got better, and then I was like, I'm in Jacksonville. I, Unfortunately, I know how a lot of folks act in Jacksonville, and right. I, it's a, I don't want nothing to go down and me get hurt or people on wig get hurt, and I hate downtown. There was a lot of excuses why I didn't go, but I would definitely now I would definitely love to go to one. Um, seeing that they've been been peaceful, the JSOs kind of having things on lock, and also uh, through the grapevine, know somebody who who's in the in JSOs kind of hold it down. And when I found it was him, I was like, oh, I'm I'm here for it. That's a good man. That's behind it. Definitely behind it now. I but, mean, we know that I'm a radical and everything, but that is precisely why I wanted to go. Mm-hmm. Because we are fighting for our lives. Mm-hmm. And for me, it was kind of like, there's a chance that I might lose my life either way. Mm-hmm. Whether it be mm-hmm. I sit back and do nothing and no change happens, and one day I get pulled over, somebody I love gets pulled over, or whether it's I actually try to make a difference and I'm out there on the front lines and I lose my life because of it. But That's it's just something point. that I believe so strongly in that I would... I, I told myself before I went to my first protest, like Monica and I sat in the car and we prayed that right. nothing would happen. But I told myself before I left the house that I'd be ready to die for it. Wow. See, I'm with her. I'm, like, I'm with her as well. Like when, when Jacksonville had their first protest and it went south, I was ready to get off of work and I'd be like, all right, let's go to this protest downtown. I don't right. care what happens. Yeah. Whatever happens, it happens. And then I got home. I was like, ah. This bad's kind of feeling comfortable. I feel like, right. I mean, it's, it's definitely one of those things my mom always says, it, and I, I kind of slowly getting into the, the same mindset. I'm a very cautious person. I think about things very logically. I think about the ABCs and the one, two, threes before I do anything. Right. So, you know, when I saw what happened in, in Minnesota and how it went south, I didn't want to be in a situation. And, you know, I felt that there were more things that I could do. You know, if I didn't go to a protest, there's other things I could be doing. So just because if you feel like me and you're scared, mm-hmm. you just don't want to be in that situation, don't make anybody, let anybody tell you, oh, you ain't doing nothing, you ain't for the cause. Right. That's just not you. There was tons of people in the civil rights movement who didn't want to go to the protest. Doesn't mean you're not a part of the movement. You still need to do something. Though. You still need there, to do there's, something. There's a exactly. plethora of there's things a lot that you, of can, things do, you can, but you can do. But don't, don't be like, oh, I'm not going to the protest, so I'm going to sit back and do nothing. Right. You can start petitions. Exactly. Right. Vote, exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Vote. 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 Make sure vote, you're registered. Vote. 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 Oh, that's vote. another thing I have to say. Even if... Okay, no. You need to vote. But register. Because a lot yes. of the, the things that they do about trying to draw voting dis- districts to... Um, Make African, you you know, the whole gerrymandering, all gerrymandering. that. Make sure you're at least registered. No matter what, make sure you're registered. Make sure everybody you know who turns 18 is registered. If you're 17, make sure you pre-register. Make sure you're mm-hmm. registered because Shout out when they... Shout man. They had tables at the high schools almost weekly. True, almost true. Almost weekly. But make sure you at least register because they like to count minorities out certain ways and strategically it has to do with the census which went around i hope Still y'all about the, the census, census please and registering to vote it has a lot to do with how politics is swayed my girl aoc said it best she was like it's not like we're not giving money to the cities it's that in a lot of these cities we don't know your child exists right so like you know you do not have to be a citizen to fill out the census it doesn't even ask you about your citizenship on the census True. so fill out the census vote and don't let anybody tell you that, oh, racism is not going to end if you vote tomorrow. 
Duh, of course, but it gives you in the right, puts you in the right direction, so right. we don't get people like forty five in the office. And so. don't we are never gonna finish this list. We keep anyway. Saying, and yeah, we gotta get it moving. And it's okay if it's long. Y'all need to sit down. Our long episode like ninety minutes. Y'all so, need to yeah. sit down and listen. Anyways, we spitting some facts, but I forgot what I was gonna say. Dang man, see, all that talking to my viewers like you crazy. See, now you need to go ahead. Y'all know. I, I lost this question. We on dog. I know what you mean. I, <laughs> Wait, I got We good. Dang, what was I going to say? It was going to be good. We still on what? I'll ask you. No, Next what question. <laughs> okay. What was the last thing you said? Uh, 45 in office. Yeah. Before that. Girl. Vote. No. Census. Vote. Census. All Sorry. that. Dang. Vote. That's the Next question. Are there, so like we've been talking about the protest and stuff. Are there any personal pros and cons to protest or government action? Oh, yeah. I'm definitely. Hold on, hold on. Let's, let's so let's let's talk let's talk let's talk the pros of it first. Well, indeed, the pros is it brings awareness. Um, Definitely, it opens people's eyes and um, it brings community and unity to a dire situation with any type of protest. Um, whether it be for for civil rights or gay rights or whatever, um, it it brings awareness to a situation that and it helps create change and it makes history. Mm-hmm. It makes history. Definitely, some of the biggest historical moments are. Through walking and protesting, mm. even if it's on the battlefield. When you're on the battlefield and you're walking, you're running, you're technically protesting. Mm. If you didn't think about that. But yeah. So that, that's a pro to protesting. I'm not going to say the con. I'm going to just wait for everyone to do their pro. Um, I definitely agree with you. It definitely brings awareness. It's history. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it's a way to force the powers that be to listen, to understand what people are saying. I mean, people are listening when you, you know, blocking off, you know, blocks of street or when you're painting giant yellow letters when you on hit the, them on the, when you hit the them pockets that's hit, when people start to listen perfect example Colin Kaepernick you know he hit those people's pockets and people started listening and then what happened with George Floyd people started listening right now real quick on Colin Kaepernick I don't really want to get into it too deep I, I've said this before on this podcast as sad as, I, as sad as I believe it is I think he's laced up his last pair of cleats for the NFL already I, agree. I don't think he'll ever play again he hit those pockets man I, the white owners, but they're not gonna buzz. It, those owners are some of the richest people on the planet. I mm-mm. that's not I want, why I, I want him to play, but I don't. I think he's laced up his last pair of clips. Well, for what I would say about Colin, um, the only time I kind of disagree with Colin Kaepernick is when he didn't go to that pride workout, which I understand. I think it was a scam, I and yeah, I don't sure. blame him. I do believe it was a scam, but when Colin, he kind of became what. They want us to be. They want us to be ignorant and belligerent. How mm-hmm. he delivered his um interview yeah. when they after his workout at the high school. Been ready for three years, been denied for three years. You yeah. know, that's kinda which is true, and you know, you can't deny it, but yeah. I would say Colin Kaepernick is still better than I would get fifty percent of the quarterbacks playing right now in the NFL, considering um he has a winning record against Tom Brady. <laughs> I'm just saying, it's, it's but Mitchell uh, got a job. I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Colin that is true. That is true. Job. Uh but yeah, I think I, I think Colin has a chance. Now, the way they have it set up, will he play? As a backup, maybe, preseason. Yeah. But, like, as a starter, it would take a good minute. See, that's my thing. I feel like it's kind of a setup. I feel like whoever he goes to play for would be, one, a publicity stunt. And, two, he's gone how long without playing? I feel like... About three years, yeah. I feel like he's not going to be as good. It's going to give people that whole, see, it was no point anyways. I feel like now mm. that they recognize how right he was, now that they see what happened to his career because of it, he needs to use that as a platform to move forward. But I don't think that playing is the right step. I like it, but I see there's one, one small little thing. They they don't recognize how, how right 
he was. They recognize right. they recognize how right what he did was. Right. They don't recognize how right Colin Kaepernick was, and that's my issue. Right. So you're apologizing to everybody and their mama. Except him. But the man y'all got blackballed out of the NFL, and that's a serious issue I'm having right. with the NFL. If there would be a reason for me to never watch a game again, it'd be that because that doesn't make it that doesn't make any sense. You're like. All right, we know we get y'all. Like that's the way to do it. Kneel if you need to. Right. Where's my apology? Where's my man's job? What What are we doing here? I think that is a perfect example of a lot of what has happened with whitewashing history. The fact that they want to move forward and and feel like they're correct now or validate themselves now without addressing the the wrongness that happened in the past, which we've seen with the textbooks, which we've seen with the way the education system is structured in America. These doggone with- statues, man. Why is one more person say? You're wasting my history, sir. Mm. <laughs> sir, your history is the wrong side of history. Here's right. The Here's the thing, sir. I had I had to start in a y'all. We don't get to these questions. I promise. There was this. I heard there was this thing. I I uh, I had a thought. I was I was walking somewhere, and I had we were talking about the statues at work one day, and I was like, you know, would they ever erect the statue in Poland to Hitler? You know, because it was a part of the history? No, because it was a terrible part of history. Right. And then the guy was like, well, no, that's nothing to do with us. Like, you know, that was all. So then I thought, huh, well, maybe if we're going to have all these, you know, Andrew Jackson, Jefferson Davis, why don't we, you know, go ahead and erect a statue to Osama bin Laden? Right. White folks would lose their mind. A, a statue to Osama bin Laden killed. He killed 3,000 Americans. And how many? Andrew Jackson you- killed how many? Right. Uh, Native Americans? His statue is still up, by the way, in hmm. town. Still, our city is named after Jacksonville, and not named after Andrew Jackson, which, I don't know if you're going to change the whole city name, but <laughs> it's on the, like, there's a tons of school statues all on top of the I mean, block. Duval was named after a slave owner. Oh, Lord. Oh. Man, we be nah, saying it on the This is why education Love is that important. Duval, boy. You be anywhere you go, Duval. You be like, <laughs> Man, that little Duval got to change. Nah, we got better luck getting rid of Jacksonville than we, than we do with Duval, though. Okay. Yeah, 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 we be quick to get rid of Jacksonville. All right, now back to these pros. Any, any more pros of government action or uh, protesting? Y'all know I'd be forgetting everything I'd be trying to say. I would say a pro is, well, one, be on the right side of history, which is like my little catchphrase right now. Um, But pros is unity, justice, changing injustices. Oh, yeah, that's what I was going to say, unity. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean... U-N-I-T-Y. That Queen Latifah song, y'all know that song? Let her sing it. Um, (laughs) I think... For one, pros of government action. Are we talking about, wait, what do we mean by government action? Can I ask that question? How they have kind of, well, Like geez, their response Their response, to the yeah, no, nah, it's been terrible. I think, they have okay. more cons okay, on Okay, I think, no, actually, I think it's a pro. Because seeing the way that they have reacted to our action shows the problem that is happening in this country and shows that it's not a fluke. To see them get so upset over not just black people, black, white, Hispanic, everybody who is marching with us, to see us, to get so angry over seeing somebody want to fight for their lives or fight for their rights shows the systematic problem that Mm. is wrong with the police system in America. Definitely. So that kind of, I guess we'll just go ahead and move into cons. Um, so definitely, we've talked about how the, how the protests have kind of shifted uh, into kind of a negative thing in terms of people rioting and tearing up property. And, you know, you, you can't discount that there's been white agitators that have been in these protests mm-hmm. who have shed light, bad lights on the Black Lives Matter movement right. by getting violent, by vandalizing things. And 
one of my main issues was I remember seeing this video on Instagram. This uh, Atlanta business uh, business owner who was black, small business, been there for twenty five plus years, bawling his eyes out because the rioters destroyed his small business, mm-hmm. and he said it was white and black people when he looked at the cameras. I'm like, wow, like y'all, if you gonna tear something up, don't tear up your own communities. Like you, what that seems very counterintuitive to me. I think that's a major con in this whole thing, just tearing up your own stuff or tearing up things in general. I initially felt that way Mm -hmm. when all of the riots were happening. But I saw this video of a lady who was saying that these aren't our neighborhoods. This this isn't our, like, livelihood that we're tearing up. We're tearing down things to show you guys that none of this is our stuff. Mm. We we don't have a right to walk down these streets. These aren't our streets. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And she was she was talking about, okay, that's another thing. If you have a black-owned business, put black-owned business across your business, okay? People have been saying that. But I love her. Initially, I love that. It gives, gives it that, like, it, like it's this has gotten to, like, biblical proportions. I mean, right. even in the Bible, Moses was like, hey, we turn it up. If right. you don't want your stuff to her, lamb's blood over the door. Right. God's killing all the, all the babies. If you if you want your baby to live, blood's lamb, blood lamb's blood over the door. It's like biblical proportions. I love that that allusion to the Bible. Look, go ahead. Um, but dang, I'm man, sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, oh, I got it. No, I got it. I'm holding on to it. I was gonna say that I initially thought that these that rioting and looting and destroying property had is is counterintuitive or it it sheds a bad light on the movement, but the more that I've thought about it or the more that I've, I've heard other people voice their opinions about it, I, I disagree with my initial thought. Mm-hmm. I think that it shows just how angry and how wrong it is. And mm. the whole notion that we built this country, we can tear down whatever we want because it's ours. And yeah, it might suck that we tore down the public, so now we got to walk another three miles to get to the corner store to buy some right. groceries. But at the end of the day, that wasn't our business. So for people that think that way... Should there maybe be a disclaimer like, yo, okay, if you're going to tear stuff up, just be ready to open yourself to that risk of, you know, being arrested, you know? I mean, every action comes with consequences. Of course, right. You have to understand what the consequences are. That's why, like right. what I said, when I go to protest, I understand that I might not I'm make it home. For this thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I was also going to uh, mention how they tore down Black Wall Street. Shit, man, destroyed it. Yeah. And 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 at the another thing that I've been seeing, okay, people, black people have been snapping on social media. I will say that, but they have killed so many of our people. Mm-hmm. Target gonna be alright. Mm. A business yeah. is gonna be alright. A building is gonna be alright. Y'all have insurance, but at the end of the day, you take my life. Ain't nothing coming back. I will. Say, I will say one thing. When you sat here and said that, you know, the risk of being arrested and all that. You remember the civil rights movement? Mm-hmm. One of the craziest things. That's why I say people got to educate themselves. Right. A lot of black people, they belligerently, when all this police stuff was going on, they belligerently was just going to jail mm-hmm. for going for walking in the whites only, yep. using the whites only um, um, water fountains and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's just kind of like a little piggyback, a little visual to what was happening in civil rights. Now, cons, I will say, is in regards to my white people. I love y'all. But this definitely shows the divide of white people in America. Mm-hmm. You've got your... You've got your people that's all in support, and then you got your people that's just in it for two things, clout and money. Because a lot of these rioters are getting paid. Um, I talked to a lady, um, like I said, people that just sit down and talk to you about this thing. There was a lady that I rung up at work. She told me that 
the riot that happened in Jacksonville after the little protest, those people were from Minnesota. So, mm, yeah. there's been people that literally have been going around getting paid to riot and stuff, getting paid up $3,000 or something agitators, like that. Agitators, yeah. Yeah, the agitators. So, this shows a good divide. You got the white people that are trying to exercise their white privilege, but they're not going about the right... This showing the difference between the really educated mm-hmm. and the not so educated of the white people. Right. The white people that are quick to listen. You got the white people that just sit up here angry mm-hmm. and want to fight the police, and you got the white people that want to be peaceful with mm-hmm. the black people because yeah. they know they have more power. Right. And this is showing a good divide. The con is showing the divide of white people in America, um, and also the, the divide of black people because we we all we're now a lot of us are so we don't know. We we just we just all want unity, but we all want it in different ways. We want equality, right. but we all want it in different ways. One, some of us want to just straight up fight the system, and then some of us want to do this peacefully and through the works. But I think it takes a little bit of both. I remembered what I was gonna say. I remember what I was gonna say. I was gonna talk about. Um, dang, <laughs> you looked at me. Oh my god! Next, next motion. No, I remember. I remember about white allyship. Okay, don't be fooled by your city councilmen, your politicians, or your police officers kneeling with protesters. There is so much more that they can do besides kneeling. They can go back to the precinct. They can have uh, race race sensitivity training. They can have discussions. They can talk about protocol. They can talk about ways that they can change, that they can be better besides just kneeling with us. So that whole, oh, we're kneeling for the pictures, we thank you if that's really what you believe in, but there is so much more you can do. You you can look to the person next to you and you can say, as my brother in uniform, there's something that we need to do better. Uh, let's talk to these protesters. How about that? Let's all sit down, have a little kumbaya, and let us ask them questions about how they think that we should go about these situations. And also, as much as we want you all to listen to our stories as African Americans and how we feel when you all interact with us, I want to hear what it's like for, for your frame of mind, for, for the way that you think when you see an African-American, because definitely that's very important. Changing the narrative, changing the way that you think, because I honestly believe that a lot of racism comes from legitimate fear. fear. Yeah, They are afraid of us. They don't know us. And a lot of them who, who will never hear this podcast could not imagine four African-Americans sitting around having an eloquent conversation. Mm-hmm. So I think just... One There's the, so much more that they can do besides that. In my, in my put on, before we move on to the next question, in my put on, I mentioned American Son. There's a line in that movie, the the person of color, the cop that was a, I think he was probably Hispanic or something. He, he was. definitely was black in there. He was Hispanic. And he said in there, he said, uh, he fought, he jumped out of planes and fought in Iraq. And he said, when he came back to the States, one of the, the scariest thing to him was uh, exercising his first traffic stop. And I was like, yo, like, I've heard other cops say that, like, one of the scariest things they've ever done is have a traffic stop in this day and age mm-hmm. because they're afraid of what they have to do if uh, there's a belligerent, a belligerent black person, mm-hmm. you know, who's screaming about their rights or whatever, or, you know, getting upset with them and really escalating the situation more so than just letting the cop do his job. Right. So there's definitely, you have to hear from the whole 360 uh, vision view. Right. Yeah, and I see everybody's point. And it all goes back to figuring out why. Like, Definitely. you're sitting around having this conversation, sharing stories. You need to know, why do you feel that way? Why do I feel this way? And I think that's how having the, those conversations and being willing to listen to each other and to learn from each other is how change is going to happen. Because the riots, the protests, and all that affecting people's pockets... That might change policy, but that's never going to change somebody's mindset. It's the conversations that are going to change somebody's mindset. Definitely. And a small mini-con that I hope doesn't really happen, but the second wave of coronavirus 
if y'all are out there protesting, man, wear your wear mask. Your mask. You don't do not wear gloves. Gloves, no. I can go on a whole episode <laughs> on why gloves does not work. But wear your mask, wash your hands when you get home. Don't get in the bed. You know, strip down, shower, wash your clothes. You know, just Lysol wipes your phone down always. Whenever yeah. you get home, you touch a lot of things with your hands and then go back to touching your phone and then you put your phone on your face. Yeah. Make sure you get wet wipes. Wipe down your your car door, your steering wheel, your phone, all mm. that. Oh, That's also fun. one more thing. I, I know y'all have all been to the protest. One thing before we move on to the next question. Um, I've been seeing a lot of videos, things that you should do when you go to a protest. If you're at a protest, y'all can y'all kind of allude to some of those things. One thing I will say when you're at a protest. Definitely, the number one thing, get yourself hydrated. Make sure you yes, have some definitely. drinking water. And eat. Eat. Eat before you go. Eat mm-hmm. before you go. Because most protests nowadays, is summer. It's summertime. It is hot. Yeah. Definitely eat before you go. Hydrate yourselves. That's the number one thing. Another thing I would say is, well, comfortable clothes, please. Yeah. Comfortable mm-hmm. clothes. That's all I ask. Comfortable clothes. Yeah. And tennis shoes. Mm-hmm. Tennis shoes without question. Yeah, this is not a fashion show, y'all. You know, you, their business is being done. Right. Uh, one of the some of the things I saw in that video, I'll probably post it on Instagram soon. You know, right? You know, try to if you when if you get arrested, if you wear your hair up, you know, make sure there's no metal in your um your little hair tie. Make sure there's no metal in it. I thought that was really interesting. Um, some people were writing down their like emergency contacts on their body, which I thought, okay, this must have made up North Jacksonville. You sweat, it's gonna be gone in 15 minutes. But, you know, so it's it's make sure you look at, like, what you can do to be safe while you're mm-hmm. out there. If things go awry and uh, make, go out with a buddy, I wouldn't go by yourself right. type stuff. Oh, so, remember to take milk and milk, tear yep, gas. But yep. another thing that I've been thinking about is I'm I'm OK. Y'all don't need to know my major. But anyways, I take chem class at school and the goggles that we use to keep from getting substances in our eyes are like ten dollars. So mm-hmm. you might not be able to get tear gas masks and all that, but at least to protect your eyes, you can go on Amazon and get like just the regular lab goggles that are like five, ten dollars mm-hmm. and that goes a long way. Definitely. So this next question is kind of a long one. It's from uh actually a white friend of mine, uh Dalton, he wrote this question. Dalton. All right y'all. I'm about to read perfectly. No mess ups. Watch. This is a long one, y'all. Don't lie on yourself. I'm not lying. I'm not I'm lying. I'm gonna read it with you while you do. I mean I'm not gonna say it but I'm all right, gonna read it. All right. Dear Lord, just please let me get through oh, this. Without any mistakes. <laughs> I've seen a large amount of people that are fighting for the same things that... God! <laughs> couldn't even get through the first line! Let me do it, let me do it. No, uh, yeah, let go ahead, because I'm, I'm going to mess it up. I've seen a large amount of people that are fighting for the same things that have completely different views on how to bring about change for that same thing. Mm. People will say to do this and get a bunch of people to join, such as the hashtag Blackout Tuesday thing, and say that it's super important and needs to be done. And then there's a large amount of people that say not to do that because it's changing the algorithm and the important posts won't get seen, etc. I've seen profound black men with huge platforms say that rioting and looting is wrong and not the answer. And I've also seen other black men with the same platform that say the opposite, that we should be rioting and looting. How can we bring about change when everyone that seems to want change can't agree on how it's done? Question mark. Uh, I'll go first and then you go. Okay. So I thought this was really interesting because this is not the only movement I've seen like the same issue kind of arise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've seen this in the in the um, uh, the feminist movement, and mm-hmm. there's a lot of different voices in the feminist movement about rights. We want rights for all women. We want more rights than men. We want less rights than men. Some factions, crazy. I know. But um, it's it's very interesting because there's no real consensus. Even if, during the civil rights movement, you mm-hmm. had the biggest divide was Martin Luther King, mm-hmm. Malcolm X, who's a little bit more militant, and Martin Luther mm-hmm. King was peace. So mm-hmm. it was just like 
how, where does that consensus come in? Who Who's to say how we get the change that we're in, in desperate need of? I would say that... Every, oh, it was definitely your time. Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, start off for first. I'd say as the black community, we are very split. And... Um, our minds are all over the place because one, we're very angry and we were promised changed and therefore we're tired of waiting for change. That's why we're out here demanding the change. Mm-hmm. And first off, we, some people in the black community don't even know who our NAACP leader is. Mm-hmm. And at, at the same time, I haven't heard of anything he's said through this whole movement. (laughs) 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 We ain't know who it is. Hit that Google bag. But I I got my own uh, litany on (laughs) NWCP, so you don't even want to get me started. (laughs) Go ahead. Litany, your favorite word today? Can we take like 30 seconds to appreciate him opening up a thesaurus? Because I swear it took forever to get him to open up a thesaurus. Now he here, you Thirty second pause. Yeah, I try. Right. I try. Moment of silence. Come on. Come on, bro. Come on, go on, go on. That's the question now. So, like, we'll have. I'd say there's more of a joint community of of the black community in it together, and we see even with celebrities on our side, seeing that they're with us, and then we have the non-celebrities that don't get the view of... They're not looking through our point of view. They're kind of looking through their point of view, like, hey, this never happened to us. Oh, this didn't happen Mm -hmm. to us. We are not on that side. So it's all... We're all split down the middle. It depends on how they look at it or how you want to look at it. And... I'd also say to the Blackout Tuesday, um, there was another thing that was supposed to happen on Donald Trump's birthday where he posts Obama pictures. I don't even know how that went. Oh, that went well. (laughs) Yeah, I saw tons of people posting Obama. (laughs) So apparently that went well. Um, I mean, there's a lot of more things going on in the upcoming weeks. Um, I've heard on the 4th of July we're not selling, as the black community, we're not celebrating the 4th of July. I'm See y'all on the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. See y'all on the nineteenth. Right. This month. Right. Yes. Uh, June nineteenth. We're celebrating it. Uh, I'm pretty sure I work, but I same, same, <laughs> same. You have to take some leave. <laughs> okay. I wrote these down so I will remember y'all this to come up. Okay. Uh-oh. Um, I was first gonna say that people deal with anger and pain differently. Mm. Some people they they close up. Some people are are violent. Like they react differently. And the entire community, not just the African American community, but everybody who understands what we are going through, is angry and is hurt. So the the way that our responses are so different just has to do with human nature and the fact that humans are so different in how they deal with those stimuli. And I was gonna, t- I was gonna talk about how um, every way that people are choosing to act in this movement can be helpful. I know some of we, a lot of us disagree, but we are attacking this from different angles. 
we are attacking it in every way possible. So if one way is not effective, we have hundreds of different ways that are already in process. You know what I'm saying? Like, it might not make a difference to somebody to see some black people marching down the street, but to know that they can't roll up to Panera's for lunch because the Panera's got burnt down, that might hit home somewhere, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I'm not I'm saying that... Cheese. That's right. <laughs> I'm not saying that any one way is more right than the other or more wrong than the other, although I might have my own personal ideas about that, but I think that it's beneficial that we as African-Americans are using every possible angle, every possible facet of this movement to attack the problem because... At the end of the day, we're going to suffocate the issue. The issue will dissipate because there's no outlet for them. We're, we're covering from every side. I don't know if anybody followed that. Yeah, okay. Gotcha. okay. And I had another one. I wrote them down. I'm sorry. <laughs> the other one I had was you mentioned about people who don't experience what we experience and how they feel like. It doesn't matter to them because they've never gone through it. And I just want to say to the people out there that feel like, we're overreacting because y'all have never been that way or it must not, it must only be a few cases or it must just be a unique, um, it must just be like unique circumstances. Like just because you have not experienced it doesn't invalidate anybody else's experiences or it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen, which is why, again, conversations are so important. Like to sit here at this table, like I said earlier, all of the experiences I have had with racism thus far have been minute. And for those who don't know what minute means, it means like, it's subtle. Like, you you only know if you're paying attention. You only know if you really know what you're looking at. And for the other two people sitting here at this table with me, they've had blatant experiences where it was in their face. But just because I haven't experienced that doesn't mean it doesn't happen or it doesn't exist. One thing I would say is, how do we bring about change when everyone can't agree on how it's done? Let's just all, let's just all sit back and come into a consensus on what do we actually want? What's the number one thing we want out of this? Equality, right? Justice, yeah. Let's all agree on that. So if every other side of, I want did, 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 if we all agree we want equality, cool, let's put that at the top. And then you got to go, and then you got to, and then you got to go look at the structures of how laws are passed and everything throughout America, which is why, and that's the biggest thing. If we really want to change this, we really have to change America completely. We can't, there's no such mm -hmm. thing as making America great again. Mm -hmm. Let's just make America different than it actually is. Um, Because... Like, the way th laws are passed and everything is through, like, judges, Congress, Supreme Court, and the president. The president doesn't have that much power, which is so interesting. I never understood that. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Mr. Mar, my government teacher. But um, I would say that's the first thing. We got to come to a consensus of the number one thing we want, and that's equality. Bet. And then we got to go out. It's called voting. We got to vote. And then, and then we got to change up these laws. We got to start a petition to change the laws. Basically, mm -hmm. Supreme Court judges do not need to be in there for life. We got 85-year-old Supreme Court justices that's baby boomers that think that think it's okay to still use the hard ER. So, like, we need to get them out the of there. Motion. Like, we got to we gotta change the whole... I get that, but then, like, at the, at the same token, though, it's like the Supreme Court is, is supposed to be... The reason they do that is to ensure that... They're not swayed they're by, not swayed by re-election and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, that's why we have the issues we do in Congress. Yeah. Like, everybody does what they need to do in Congress to make sure they get re-elected, and then there's no right. cap on how many times you can get re-elected in Congress. So, is throw the whole system away. Honestly, I like I like a king. Uh, at least with a king, you know what you're gonna get a hundred times. But see that's but see that's the thing. That's the thing. That's the biggest thing America's afraid of of becoming a dictatorship. Yeah, we don't. I want mean, to look change. at England. England has a queen, but then at the same time, they also have a president. Yeah, the England that 
the queens are fig. They're figureheads over there. Yeah. They don't have. They don't really have no power. Um, Lord of the Flies? Question mark. Question mark. Yeah, I, I, I do see that reference. Yeah. Right. That's a yeah. good point. That's yeah. A, yeah. That's a good point. We need some. Let me be president. Uh, be straight. Moving on. <laughs> I'd be a good. I bro. mean, the I, only reason why stuff hasn't changed because you got those negative black people that'd be like, or minorities that'd be like, I'm not voting. My right. vote doesn't count. Right. That's oh, thank you. That pinches a nerve because best believe. Say it one more time. Best believe. No, that that part. Oh, oh, I'm, I'm gonna get to that other part. I'm gonna get that other, to that other part. Hold on. Hold I on. I thought you didn't hear me. Just was like reiterating what he said, but he actually no. was saying it again. <laughs> no, because oh. I was trying to. I was, I was <laughs> losing my thought. That's why I said best believe. He twice. does it, doesn't he? <laughs> it be you with that face. But I'm gonna get back to that because. Our vote does count, because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. if we would have voted when Hillary and Trump were going at it, if we wouldn't have went out there and voted, Trump wouldn't be in office. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, his target audience were different to from Hillary's target audience, which it doesn't matter. But still, we still need to vote. It doesn't matter if he's black. It doesn't matter if he's a different color, if he's white. Y'all got to do y'all research at the same time, because... He could be black, but he could be having a different views that we want him, what we want him to view and fight for us cough, for. Cough, cough, Ben Carson, cough, cough. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all need to do y'all research because best believe, um, voting is coming out real soon. I already right. know y'all saw those, um, those little yard signs that saying, hey, you need to vote for me, vote for this person, vote for this person. So, you know, it's already coming up. And, you know, the presidential election is coming up as well. So right. y'all really need to do y'all research. Hashtag get him out of office 2020. Y'all really need to do y'all research. Because after all this writing and <laughs> all this writing and protesting, if y'all really want to demand this change, we, we need to vote together as not one a black community as the whole minority minority community together so don't say oh this writing isn't gonna go nowhere it's gonna go somewhere don't say oh there's no change happening just because you want change to go faster than expected doesn't mean change is not gonna happen change it is happening it's happening slowly. Let it the process marinate. Let it soak. Let it take its time. Cause best to believe when the time is right, change is there in front of your eyes before you know it. A change gonna come. Oh, that's the second time you done tried to sing. It doesn't work for you. That's not your. That's not your thing. Oh okay, God. that's not my niche. That's not your. <laughs> okay, now the one thing it said where the vote does not count. Oh, my fault. Was you finna like? I was finna go again. I did not know that, bro. I did not. <laughs> hey, don't, hey, don't raise your hand to a, to a host like that. I did not know, bro. No, no, no I, this my, might be your first and last time on this podcast. Hey, bro, second it's, time. This is the second time, but I only got one minute thing. When you say your vote does not count, and because the electoral college is basically proves who the president is, but you know who gets the votes for the electoral college is us. We vote people to the electoral college right. to help choose who our president will be. So our vote does count. We got to get the right person to the electoral college. Mm. Mm-hmm. But y'all be y'all don't even know that. That's why you need to educate right there. It's all a process. That, I'm not gonna say white people, but those who are running the system. That's because they understand how the system works. Mm. And so we need to educate ourselves on how the system works. That way we can use it to our favor. And just like they were saying, you might think that your vote does not count, 
But you have to understand that you are an individual in a population of billions, right? So if you don't vote and the neighbor next to you don't vote and their neighbor don't vote and your whole family don't vote, that's hundreds of people right there not voting. You have to understand by you going out to vote and you taking somebody with you, it's just like chain text messages or chain letters. Like it's an exponential increase. You go vote, make sure everybody that you know goes to vote and that's hundreds and hundreds of people. And then when the people they know go and vote, that's how our community makes a difference. But every community, you have to start with the individual people within it. I love that teamwork thing you said because I just watched a show, Efforts for Family, on Netflix, and it's based in, like, the 70s or 80s. It was right after uh, Korea, so... Um, Good 70- show, by the way. Huh? Good it was a great show. But there was an episode where Rosie, a uh, black guy, he was running for alderman, and, you know, good old gerrymandering and uh, poll quizzes and stuff. They were trying to discourage African-Americans from voting in that election to get him to win the alderman. And so they had, like... They closed down a voting precinct, moved it like across the bridge, so a lot of black people couldn't go and vote. And so Rosie was like, "Dang, how am I gonna get this done?" So white people got together and they was like, "Yo, we got all these vans, let's let's go, buddy to buddy. We got six people to a car, like we going to get y'all across this bridge." And black guy ended up winning. It's all about that teamwork. If auntie, grandma, she don't drive, but she registered to vote, throw her in the back of your car and let's go. Let's go <laughs> get this vote on. Throw don't throw her, you know, help her get into the car to drive, take her to the stove, you know. You need them groceries. You need them groceries and help get gets all about teamwork. We're in it. Teamwork makes the dream work. I'm love what you said. You cannot win the game if you don't know how to play. Right. That's all it is. Right. Um, so next question um, it is, what are your thoughts on intergenerational trauma due to racism as we uh, wrap it up? Okay, I'm going to go ahead and take this one. The whole question, why do y'all always go back to slavery? Why do you always take everything back to slavery? Not everything is about slavery really irks my nerves Mm. because that was our first introduction to this country. Our entire history in this country started at that point when we were brought over here, when we were enslaved. From the moment when we were in slavery that they stripped us of our culture, stripped us of our language, stripped us of our religion, to the moment where they denied us our ability to, to learn how to read and write, to the moment where when they did give us the option to read and write, it was separate and unequal. We were given torn up textbooks, outdated information. How about at the I, time we weren't even people? We were we weren't even considered people or property. Prop we were three fifths of a person. Now y'all already know I done forgot what I was gonna say because he opened his mouth. <laughs> I know you need to learn I'm your sorry. lesson. No, I'm gonna get it back. I'm gonna get it back. We have never had we have never started at the same start line. So Mm. we are never going to be able to finish at the same finish line unless we get the aid that we need. So things like quotas, which you need to go above and beyond a quota, but things like um, scholarships for being minorities, that's not about us wanting, that's not about us needing a crutch. That's about the fact that we didn't even start at the same start line. Mm. And there is no way for us to, cover that distance that disparity without aid definitely um i definitely think um in terms of kind of like just inter- inter- intergenerational trauma one of the craziest things that i've had to i forgot what the question was, oh, was- one of the craziest things that i that uh, that i've had to realize is when you know when i have kids my parents didn't necessarily have this talk with me because it wasn't really 
the big thing when we were born, you know, was 9-11. It was more so terrorism. So the racism yeah. was a lot more blatant towards peop- the brown browner people mm-hmm. on the other spectrum. You the know, Muslims. Your, your Muslims. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even a little bit last year was more, more so the Mexicans and the Hispanics given mm-hmm. with 45. But now is when I when I have my kids, I'm going to have to sit my, you know, five, six, seven-year-old down and mm-hmm. explain to them, like, hey, Cyrus the Fifth, like, oh. you... Mm-mm. I'm the fourth. He's going to be yeah. the fifth. I'm going to be like, I'm a, let me bring it back. I wonder why we I'm didn't gonna, work out right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to, uh, can I ask the question, please? Dang. Yes. As I was saying, episode long enough as is. So, I have to sit Cyrus looks the fifth down and be like, yo, like, you know, I know you're not you're not necessarily in the wrong, but you know, because you're black, you there are certain things that you can't do. There are certain things you have to do. You have to work twice as hard. Mm-hmm. You can't necessarily wear your hood after a certain time. And whenever I say that, I always get, well, I shouldn't have to change myself, sir. In in my most basic form of of the of of my thinking on this, it's not me trying to trying to appease the white man. It's not me trying to trying to you know make sure the white man's okay when I walk into his store. It's so that when I leave the house. I make it back to the house. But I think that's part of the issue, though. You think? I I, I understand, like, I don't wear my do-rag out because it makes my parents... Ne- well, as far as they know, I don't wear my do-rag out. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, you wear it all the time. <laughs> well, I guess my dad's not watching this podcast now, is he? Oh, no, I'm just <laughs> Anyway, um, I understand you have to be strategic. Like, that's why African Amer- African Americans are, like, professionals at code switching. If you hadn't noticed... Um, a lot of it has to do with the fact that we have learned how to survive, mm-hmm. but suppressing our culture is exactly what they want us to do. Mm-hmm. They want us to stop wearing our dreads, oh, wearing our locks, excuse me. They want us to stop being black and exuding beautiful black magic everywhere. That's, that's, they want mm-hmm. to subdue that. That's exactly what oppression is. That's a good point. Uh, I'd like to say, um, to answer the question. Yeah, intergenerational trauma. That's the question. Okay. <laughs> and I still forgot that question when I opened my mouth. It's okay. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to actually answer it one day. But yeah, I don't even know if I'm going to answer that question. But, but, but yeah, but, but like I was saying, but, uh, yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> I'm afraid, I'm afraid of how to introduce that to my kids and, and okay. really letting them know just the type of world they're going to be, they're being born into. Hopefully, you know, it'll change, but I mean, time flying, like, I mean, Another nine, ten years, I'll be in my thirties. So like, I'll definitely have kids by then. So um, having to have those conversations with the kids okay. is going to be something interesting. Now I can answer this question. So um, I was talking to this girl, and I was like, about this whole protesting thing, and I was like, look, because uh, this was when Jacksonville had their whole rioting process, and they was tearing stuff up down in downtown, and I was like, hey, look, if you don't hear from me, that means uh. I got arrested because I was I was um, riding and I was doing stuff. And she was like, well, that's stupid. Why don't, there's no point in this riding and protesting. Nothing's going to change. And I was like, well, in your point of view, nothing's going to change. But in my point of view, I don't want my kids in the future worrying about how they dress, how they act, mm-hmm. or what's going on. I want them to be safe and say, hey, I can walk out at, 10.30 with a hoodie on or a do-rag on and I know that I'm safe and I can get back from point A to point B. And she was like, yeah, but nothing's going to happen. I was like, okay, you can stay 
over there is simple-minded. And I'ma just go out and help the community Mm -hmm. and demand for this change. And I also like to point out, I just finished watching Insecure. Mm. Um, And there's this one episode where there's this new a lawyer that walked into the started working at the lawyer for, uh, the firm and she was all loud and she was as they per se speaking black which is being loud and talking loud and having slang and the person came out she was like you need to uh speak fluently and not be as loud or you're not going to be here this long and her response is was of course she said thank you but she was like I've worked such and such jobs and I've never had to change the way I act or how I speak and I'm definitely not gonna change it now so uh, fast forward and towards the end of the episode they let her go uh there was no reasoning why they let her go it But she stopped working there. So, honestly, we're trying to point in case that we're not going to change ourselves to meet their standards. Our standards are already high as it is because we're black and Mm -hmm. for males as well because we're guys. So, we already have high standards as ourselves to not, one, make our family proud, but two, to make us feel you know, powerful, say pa- powerful, and at at a point, and to actually have say we have a reason that we have a change. Definitely, I would like to piggyback off what he, I would like to actually answer the question about <laughs> intergenerational trauma. And when I was sitting back, I thought of the word evolution. Evolution comes when people survive, and what they did in order to survive gets passed on to their children. So for our parents straightening their hair or talking a certain way is what they had to do to survive. Mm -hmm. So that's what they're going to teach us. And the things that we had to do to survive, like, that's what we, in nature, or would automatically think to pass on to our children. So trauma has to do with us changing who we are as a people, with us changing our culture, with us hiding ourselves because of the pain in order to survive in this country to move forward. And I was washing the dishes the other day and I was staring out the window and I thought to myself when a white child leaves the house and says love you mom see you later their parents know they're coming back Mm. and when I leave the house and I'm like I love you mom I'll see you later that's 50 50 it's up in the air it all depends on what I encounter when I, I leave from my front door so I just I thought about that and I had one more thing And I'm going to say it quickly as soon as I find my notes. Because I'm writing it down so I won't forget. Oh, uh, he talked about... I forgot what you said. But being white is not being right. And I don't mean to come for any race. But I mean me sitting here and talking eloquently. Me being educated. Me going somewhere in life. My ambitions, my goals does not make me white or make me less black. Oh, you're saying the people that be like, oh, you sound so white. Like, right. Like, okay, I get right. You I the get way you. I carry myself, the way I choose to educate myself has nothing to do with any race, any skin color, any culture. It has to do with me as an individual. Mm-hmm. That's all I wanted to say. That's dope. Uh, we can skip this one because we, we kind of touch on all of these. Um so how do y'all think everything that's been down with George Floyd to protest the rioting will affect Juneteenth? Um, 
let's make it a federal holiday, like uh, a national a national holiday. Because if, if y'all don't know what Juneteenth is, let me enlighten y'all. That's the day that we were emancipated by Abraham Lincoln um, to be freed. Now he didn't technically free us; he emancipated us because we know we're still technically not free in America. But we have leverage; we have more leverage. The rope has been untied, unnotched a little bit. So it makes it more of a federal holiday and um, not federal national holiday. But I'm saying federal national holiday for us. And um, I think it should really be celebrated. Like there's some called Flag Day. Honestly, and people celebrate that. Let's celebrate Juneteenth and us for our freedom because like Juneteenth, nothing much happens. Or I, I think blacks should really just celebrate Juneteenth, not just blacks, but like everyone in America. Yeah. Right. It shows a good stepping stone, in a good part of American history that should be. Right. Like in, like Independence Day. I'm loving the major shift in terms of holidays. I mean, the last couple of years, uh, I remember, I remember, I remember a time where we all were in school and we got Columbus Day off. Right. Not Columbus, Columbus Day, another day in school. Like that, it's just another day. And even um, Thanksgiving, every year is losing more and more clout because you quickly realize that Colum- that's the day Columbus basically, you know, stripped the Native Americans of their home, their religion, their families. So like. I'm loving that, you know, if we're going to get rid of a lot of these, you know, staple holidays, replace them with, with the stuff that's real, Juneteenth being one of them. Or if you keep the holidays, make sure you use those holidays as a time for education yes. and correct education. Like, don't stop having, well, start having the conversations that people are too afraid to have. Start educating yourself on not why they're holidays, because a lot of the reasons why they're holidays is for the wrong reasons, but what this day really means. Mm-hmm. And use it as... I know a lot of people, well, I refer to Thanksgiving now as Native American Awareness Day. Like, use mm-hmm. it as a day to bring awareness to the atrocities that were committed on the certain communities in this country. And use it to educate yourself on history because there is no way that you can pre- be prepared for the future without knowing your history. Exactly. Anything you want to add, Will, before I move on? I don't know. Y'all touch based on everything. Cool beans. Last question, man. Last question. I always love, I used to have a Real Talk club in high school. And the last question of every club Every club uh, meeting we had, we talked about everything we needed to talk about. The last thing I wanted, we wanted to mention was the solution. How do we move forward? You can't talk about a problem without a solution. How do we move forward? How do we, you know, what's the next step? What would y'all, what would y'all say? I honestly think we touch base on what the next step to Yeah, pretty without much. every question. One, register to, register vote. to vote. If you're registered to vote and there are people out there getting people registered to vote mm-hmm. be one of those people mm-hmm. and then when it comes time to vote vote definitely and then also be out there in community sign petitions you could also go to one of um one of the city hall meetings where, where they have the community mm-hmm. they that come together and talk about the problems that need to be fixed oh yeah that's another thing um i didn't mention Call your local sheriff's office. Don't call 911. But Google, like, administrative numbers. Send emails. Send letters. Let them know that you have an issue with it. That it's not just the people in the street. If you don't feel like um, like you, you want to necessarily risk your life by going out there, I understand that that's not for everybody. But if you feel that there's a problem, speak up about it. Call your local sheriff's office. Again, the administrative numbers. Don't Please don't call 911. Or the non-emergency number. Yeah. But but tell them, like, sit down with, with the operator and tell them, like, this is wrong what's going on out there. Let them know. And letters and emails and all that. Um, One thing I would say is, um, like you said, obviously we've been preaching this from the jump. Vote. 
vote and vote. Can't stress that enough. But Lord, this one's kind of interesting. The whole defunding the police. The bad ones. Ooh. Get the bad ones out of there. See, like, this is, this is an idea that I always had. We should have cracked that open in the beginning. Because, like, we really haven't even talked about defund the police. But the idea I had, this one did, I popped in my head. I talked to him about, about a week and a half ago. Why don't we just have every cop that goes in to be a cop? Why don't we have them have a lie detector test to see if they're really racist or not? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's a start. I'm just saying. I saw, um, this is a couple years ago, actually. I think this was might have been right after the Trayvon Martin thing happened. But it was a segment that the news did on simulations and the way that police officers react during simulation training and the fact that, that yeah. they are a lot more likely to use lethal force when they are encountered with an African-American. And I think that that should be a requirement for every police officer as an entrance exam mm. because you cannot... Every person has implicit bias. It, it is part of human nature, but there it cannot impact your judgment. It cannot, Definitely. especially not when you are deciding whether or not somebody gets to go home to see their family, right. whether or not somebody gets to take another breath. I think, one, you need to have that simulation as an entrance exam, and two, if you see the fact that people are more likely to use deadly force for on black and black brown people or... If, if they're more scared in certain circumstances, because I know being in those situations as, a, as an officer, it has to be terrifying. I'm not discrediting any of them. But if you don't pass that test, there's training that you need to go through. You need to sit down with a group of educated African-American people or even uh, lower income African-American people and understand what they're going through and their livelihood. You need to sensitize yourself to the situation. You need to understand those people and you need to be able to judge fairly when you do your job because that's your job and if you can't do your job correctly you shouldn't have that job period Amen. definitely well what was the first thing you said when you started that off first thing i said yeah i think i, I said vote 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 but then when i went to the whole thing of defund the police oh yeah okay that's what i wanted to touch on so the defunding the police at face when i first heard about the whole defund the police movement i was like Excuse me? Because in my mind, when you hear defund the police, I'm thinking, get rid of police. I'm like, no, say law enforcement. Like, that's kind of dumb. But I think when people say defund the police, they need to explain what that means. That's kind of a newish term, I think. Mm -hmm. And they're not, they're not, people aren't saying, oh, get rid of the police. So we need to close all the police uh, stations. No. What I think people are saying when they say defund the police is that defund the institutions that protect these police. Right. That protect the people like, um... Derek Chauvin, who could possibly get off on some on on like on some like last dance type stuff, can just out of the world work piece of protocol that'll kind of get him off. Defunding those institutions, the unions, the stuff that's protecting these police officers. We're not getting rid of police officers. We're defunding the systems, defunding systematic racism that's mm -hmm. in these police stations. Mm -hmm. That's of, what they're saying. The get rid of the 1994 crime bill. Yes. And you know what's crazy? Yes. Hillary think, was going to get rid of that if she got elected. She was trying to get rid of that, and her husband passed it. I thought that was crazy. I anyway. also think that we need to stop using private prisons. I think we need to have a part two of this podcast. Oh, yeah. Most but, definitely. I mean, like, a part two, like, next week or something like that, because this is still a very hot topic, and I feel like we all have a lot of information to share. But we need to get rid of private prisons. Prisons. That's the, I'm gonna touch on that next. Whole, whole, time. whole. That's a whole, whole, that's a whole, whole nother. That's a whole nother nook and cranny right But y'all, if y'all are still listening to this, this is in a minute. <laughs> you I know need to be. It's gonna take you about a day to listen to this, but uh, we beat that one not even close. 
to the pulp. So we'll definitely be having another part of this. Uh, Libby will probably be back with us. I want to talk to some other white folks. I want to bring them on here, there, here, there, points of view on it. But man, that that is that's about it, man. Um, let me go ahead and plug my boys real quick up up top, right quick. Check me and my boy Ty out uh, on our new show Brackets and B Rolls coming very soon. You can check us out on Instagram at Brackets underscore B Rolls B R A C K E T S underscore B R O L L S. Same deal for Twitter, and uh, that's where you can find us. Where can they find you, Olivia, on the social medias if you are on those? You use those? I think so. I do use those. You can find me on Instagram at Nula Secunda underscore. It's N-U-L-L-A-S-E-C-U-N-D-A underscore. And I've been taking it upon myself to post a lot of information on my story if y'all want. Ways that you can ally and ways that you can help the process. I was thinking about your story. Your stories be... You need to tap through. They it's hitting the nerve, don't they? I feel like they hit the nerve. You should follow me too. They do sometimes, but she uh, she be posting the realest stuff sometimes. But go ahead, uh, Will. Uh, where, where, where can they find you, man? You can find me on Instagram at Mike Will Made It. That's M I K W I L underscore M A D E I T underscore. Every time you get on here, your Instagram changed on. Exactly. <laughs> slick Rob, where can they find you, man? You already know Slick without the C underscore Rob to be underscore on Instagram. Robert E W one one six on Twitter. You can follow me on Instagram at Capitaria. God, <laughs> I must be tired. You can follow me on Instagram at Quattro Ivy with the period between the C and the U. And you can catch me on Twitter at RedCoo8317. I'll be changing that pretty soon. Uh, y'all can find DJ Nua. If he was here, y'all can find him where he would tell y'all, but I don't remember his Instagram. Huh? DJ underscore N-U-A-H. There it is. You a good friend, because I would have left him. Right. Hey, kid, kid, kid Kev, I don't even... Kid.Kev2v17, I think. You a very good friend, because I didn't even remember. But even thank y'all for listening, man. Register to vote. If you don't know, black lives do matter. And you know what? Okay, last thing. I've been thinking about this all week. Black lives matter, like, hits different. When you think about the fact that that's literally the bare minimum of what we're asking. <laughs> that's like, that's just on a face. We matter. Like, yeah, yeah we're here. We're just here. That's that's the literal bare minimum, people. So I'm just letting y'all know. Black Lives Matter. Love y'all, man. All Black Lives Matter. Black All Black Lives Matter. My boy said it. I posted it. I made a graphic. It was so good. Randy Orton, he said, I'm, I'm looking it up because it was, it was powerful. It was powerful. This man, Randy Orton. Oh, Lord Jesus. I'm going to find it. I'm going to keep y'all on the line because it's so important that I read this because it's, it's, uh, it hit me this morning. I've been reading it all day because I loved it so much. Here it is. My man, Randy Orton, said, all lives do matter, but until black lives matter, all lives can't matter. And I was like, wow. And I'm sure somebody has said that before, but hearing it from a staple person that I you know love and respect was really crazy because he just figured out that kneeling for the flag wasn't about the flag. Yeah, Randy was a work in progress for a minute. He Love got y'all. Educated. Got educated. He right. come on. He got educated, right. y'all. Breeze. Drew Brees. Got educated. He got drugged first, but he got educated. <laughs> Woo. And uh, <laughs> man, I was so sad when I saw it. when I was in the bathroom at work. I was like, "Bro, not Drew. <laughs> come on, bro, Drew. Drew, come on, bro. He got he got drugged down. Drugged. Hey, people was like, "Go ahead, retire now, bro. We don't need you." Love y'all, man. I'm let y'all go. We love you guys. Do something nice for somebody. Vote. Sign your senses. Like, we love y'all. Cafeteria Talk. Cafeteria Talk.